0: Brothers and sisters, hear the good news. In the law, we learn that sin is contagious and spreads. If something clean touches something that is unclean, that clean thing then becomes unclean. Yet when Jesus comes, he shows us a powerful form of contagious holiness. When the woman with the flow of blood touched the end of Jesus' garment, she was made whole. When the dead child is touched by Jesus, she is made alive. The uncleanness did not spread to Jesus, Jesus's holiness spread to the unclean as we come to Jesus this morning we're reminded that Jesus was sent into the world to be the life of the world God's life into a dead world his life spreads to our death his righteousness spreads to our wickedness his holiness spreads to our defilement brothers and sisters having truly confessed our sin God himself promises you the forgiveness of the father the victory of the son in the glory and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Believe this and rejoice. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. God's word to us this morning begins in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. Beginning in verse 31. Hear the word of the Lord. He presented another parable to them, saying, kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field and this is smaller than all the other seeds but when it is full grown it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. He spoke another parable to them the kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three pecks of meal until it was all leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables and he didn't did not speak to them without a parable, so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. We'll turn now to Second Chronicles chapter 16. Beginning in verse 1. In the thirty-sixth year of Asa's reign, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from going out or coming in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa brought out silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of Yahweh and the king's house and sent them to ben king of Aram, who lived in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as between my father and your father. Behold, I have sent you silver and gold Go, break your treaty with Baasha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. So Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa and sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they conquered Aizan, Dan, abel Maam and all the store cities of Naphtali. And it came about when Baasha heard of it, that he ceased fortifying Ramah and stopped his work. Then King Asa brought all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and its timber with which Basha had been building, and with them he fortified Geba and Mizpah. At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Aram, and have not relied on Yahweh your God, therefore the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Luban an immense army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on Yahweh, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of Yahweh move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him for this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that same time. And now the acts of Asa from first to last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And in the thirty-ninth year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. His disease was severe, yet even in his disease he did not seek Yahweh, but the physicians. So Asa slept with his fathers, having died in the forty-first year of his reign. And they buried him in his own tomb, which he had cut out for himself in the city of David. And they laid him in the resting place, which he had filled with spices of various kinds, blended by the perfumer's art, and they made a very great fire for him you would please turn to the back of your bulletin, we'll read together as a congregation, Psalm 127. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: As we continue, let's pray. Let's sing. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we thank you that you invite us into your holy throne room in the heavens above, and we ascend in spirit. And we come with boldness and confidence because of the blood of Jesus. We come to be washed clean of our sin. We come to hear your word for us. And we come to commune at your table. And we come because you've chosen us to know you, to trust you. And you've chosen us to shower all your grace upon us. You are the giving God. And each Lord's day as we gather, you give to us. And we return praise because you are so good to us. We ask now that you would speak to us and open our hearts, not simply to hear, but to be doers of the word. So bless our time together, we pray. For Christ's sake, amen. I have uh, two things I want to say by way of introduction. I wish I didn't have to say them. I suppose I don't have to, but I'm going to. The first I've said before, 75% of children who are in evangelical churches and go away to college after high school never go to church again. We're losing our children. Number two, we don't know what church is for. The church in America has lost vision, lost focus, lost a sense that we are actually meeting with the creator and the redeemer of mankind. So that one of the largest churches in the nation, substitutes authors to review books in the worship time, asks former presidents to come and speak during the worship time, on the 4th of July does tribute to all the armed forces with their orchestra in worship time. And then we wonder, what is wrong with America? We have lost focus. The one thing Asa teaches us, even though he failed in the end, the one thing Asa teaches us. Well, let me just read it to you. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose whose heart is completely his. You, Asa, have acted foolishly. So you remember in Psalm 34, picked up in 1 Peter chapter 3, there's another message like that. The eyes of the Lord are looking all around the earth and he blesses the righteous and he condemns the wicked. God is looking. And he's looking for people whose heart is completely his This, I know, we've said it a million times, let me say it again, the word complete here is the word peace, shalom, Solomon. He wants us to have a Solomon heart, a David heart, that is, a heart that rests in him. It's at peace. When you pick up the Bible and you read God talking to you, you're... Just relaxed, at peace, because it's God talking to us. And he strongly supports such people. Now, you know this. You know that in in Hebrew, when you double up a verb, you see it. John likes to point out Luke 22. I've earnestly desired. It's the same word twice in a row, so that's the way they translated. it. And in the Garden of Eden, God says to Adam, if you eat this fruit, you surely will die. It's dying, you'll die. Same word, twice in a row. And here it is. Strong, strong. It's one of the themes It's run through First uh excuse me. First Chronicles, starting with David's reign and runs through Solomon's reign, and here it's running through all the kings' reigns. He wants to make the people strong. So, what's he looking for? Who does he make strong? He makes people strong who have a heart at peace with God. In other words, he makes strong. Those people who are like trees planted by the rivers of water, who bring forth fruit in their season and their leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. That's who he makes strong. He makes people strong who meditate on God's word day and night. That's who he makes strong. He makes strong who say the Shema, Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God. Yahweh is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your might. And let this word be a sign on your hand and frontlets on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your houses and on the gates of your cities. And when you walk in the way and when you lie down, be talking about it to your children. When you rise up, talk about it with your children. A heart completely devoted to Yahweh. Well, of course, Israel is a little bit different than uh, say the church and Israel's a lot different than say the United States because the United States is not the kingdom of God. But Israel was God's kingdom. And so God came and put his throne right in the middle of the kingdom in the house built for Yahweh's name. There he is enthroned above the cherubim. He is king. And what he says is what goes. The United States is not that way. So we cannot administer law quite like Israel did. We could administer a law a lot better than we do. We could start living by law we have. But we're not the kingdom. And in one sense, the church is not the kingdom, but in another sense, the church is the kingdom. You can find both ways in the Bible. The church is the gathering. That's what we are. The church, it's a gathering of people who come together on the Lord's Day, every Lord's Day, for three things. Confession of sin, presentation of God's word that Sunday, and to sit at his table. And what's happening is they're all gifts from God. We don't come to give, we come to get. Because what could we possibly give to God? He needs nothing. We do respond in praise, but he gives us forgiveness. He gives us his word, and he gives us food He's looking for Solomon hearts. He's looking for people who rely on him, and Asa was just such a person. And you can you can mark Asa's life in three periods. So, if you would turn to chapter six, excuse me, chapter fourteen of Second Chronicles. It just says there, so Abijah slept with his fathers and they buried him in the city of David and his son Asa became king in his place. The land was undisturbed for 10 years during his reign. Chapter 1 Is about Asa and the first ten years of his reign. There weren't any wars. Undisturbed, quiet. Because, as he says down further in these verses, because the Lord gave us rest. The word rest is not the same as peace, shalom. But it's a word to mean undisturbed, quiet, still the land had peace. And when you read the first paragraph of chapter one, well, Asa is the kind of man who went around tearing down ashram, cutting down uh, sacred pillars, getting rid of all the false worship in his land when he came to the land. And then he said to the people that they should seek Yahweh. Seek Yahweh. And uh, when you come to the end of that paragraph, He's, they're they're at rest these 10 years, so he builds these fortified cities and he puts towers and walls, he puts walls around them, puts towers in them, puts bars across them and so forth. He's, God's given him his rest and he's protecting the nation from other nations around him. And so he says to the people, let's do this. Because we sought the Lord, we sought the Lord, and he's giving us rest. So the first 10 years is rest. But at the end of the 10 years, as you see in chapter 1, then comes the Ethiopians, the Kushites, and the Lubim, the uh, Libyans. They come to make war, and their armor... Army is nearly twice the size of his army. And so in the fight, he calls out to the Lord. Uh, Look down, if you would, at verse 11. Then Asa called to Yahweh, his God, and said, they're all lined up for battle, Yahweh, there is no one besides thee to help us in the battle. Between the powerful and those who have no strength. Yahweh is looking for a heart to strengthen them, to support them, support them. So help us, O Yahweh our God, for we trust in thee and in thy name have come against this multitude, O Yahweh. Uh, Thou art our God, let not uh, man prevail against thee. So three times he invokes Yahweh's name. And what he's saying is, hey, I I have this big army, 580,000 valiant fighting men. But look, they came at me with a million men. And they have chariots and horsemen. Yahweh, we have no strength. And we came out under your name, so Yahweh, we're helpless. And he leaned on Yahweh, and Yahweh delivered them into his hand. Yahweh is looking for people whose heart is completely his. Well chapter 2 I mean it's chapter 2 chapter 15 of 2nd Chronicles then is uh, what happened after the war and it happened over a period of uh, 5 years so we don't know how the chronology flies, falls exactly so for 10 years you got peace then there's a war the war lasts sometime we don't know how long and then at the end of this this uh, 5 years Fifteen years into his reign, there is a big renewal of covenant. And God is looking for people who rely on him, whose heart is completely his. And so a prophet, a seer, somebody who sees into the future. He uh, is the son of Oded. His name is Azariah. Yah is our helper, and Oded means restore. This prophet, after the war, comes to meet with Asa. Uh, and he went out, verse 2, uh, to meet with Asa and said to him, Listen, hear, O Israel, Yahweh's is our God, Yahweh's one. Same, same statement here. Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, Yahweh is with you when you are with Him. And if you seek Him, if you lean on Him, if you come to Him, He will let you find Him. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. Now, we talked about that last week. But look at this part, verse 3. And for many days, Israel was without the true God or the God of truth and without a teaching priest and without Torah. But in their distress, in their distress, they turned to Yahweh God out of Israel and they sought him and he let them find him. So what he's talking about is you have a divided kingdom and up in the north, there's there's golden calves in the south border and in the north border and all the prophets of Yahweh have been kicked out, all the Levites have been kicked out and there is no true worship of God. But up in this region, these are still God's people, they're falling away, God's people, Uh, but there are some who uh, notice? look, Yahweh is with Asa. And they seek for Yahweh, and God lets them find him, and they come. And three things they were missing, which is the key to what it means to seek Yahweh, or to seek out God, or to lean on him, or to trust in him. Three things they were missing. They were missing the God of truth, They were missing a teaching priest, and they were missing Torah. These are three things they found, and these are three things that are found in the temple. The God of truth, of course, is represented, he's the one who gives life, is represented by manna, in the Holy Room, in a jar, it gives life. The God of truth gives life. The Torah is written down, well summarized, on stones that are contained in the Ark of the Covenant. It's the Word of God. They needed the Word of God. And then they needed a teaching priest. The word teaching in this case is not your normal word for teaching. It's a word that means to throw something or to point at something. And it's represented in the Holy of Holies by Aaron's rod that budded. Because what happened? With that rod, God smote the Egyptians With that rod, God opened the Red Sea. With that rod that Moses held up, the Amalekites were defeated. It's the rod of God. It's the guidance pointing the way. These are three things that are to be found in the church. When the church gathers the living God, We find the living God at the table. It's the table of the Lord. It's life. It's food. He gives us life. We find God's word at the church. Now remember, way back when people couldn't read, they had to go to church to hear God's word. They didn't have books at home to read. In the church, we find God's word. And in church, we find men whom God appoints to point the way, to give guidance. So, we have all three of these here each Sunday. Somebody stands up here and points the way, gives guidance, teaches. We sit at the table where we get the manna, the food of God, God's life, And we all hold a Bible in our hands. We we have God's Torah. That's what Israel was missing. Their gods were no gods. The Ten Commandments were taken away. The priests, the teaching priests were taken away. But they noticed that God was with Asa. So some of them defected, they sought Yahweh, and Yahweh let them find him. So, when we come on the Lord's Day to church, it is not a place to play around. It's not a place, it's not a time for skits and shows. God tells us what he wants us to do. Draw near with a sincere heart, hold fast the confession, that is the word of God, and stimulate one another unto love and good deeds, which is what happens around a table. God's house is like your house. When people come to your house, you would like them to wipe the mud off their feet Or at least take their shoes off before they come in. When we come to God's house, he would like the sin wiped off of us. And so we confess our sins. And when someone invites you over to your house, that's what God does. He invites us to his house. God is so far above us, what do we have to say? No, he talks to us. But when we go to somebody's house, usually there's a purpose, something, there's conversation. That's what happens. We come into God's house, he talks to us. And usually when we're invited to someone's house, we eat a meal. That's what happens at God's house, in his dining room. We sit down at his table. It happens to be a war table, as we'll see as we move along. It's a war table with food for warriors. But we sit down and we eat a meal with God. I want us to be impressed and have such heavy hearts about the United States that we care a hundred times more about the church because the United States is in its condition because of the church. The church is messing around. And I don't hear people saying it. And I don't hear us wanting to talk about the people that are doing it. And we need to. We need to say enough is enough. Let's get back to what God's word says and come at his invitation and come to meet with him to do what he wants, not to do what we want. Well, uh, skip down to Azariah comes and gives this message. And then down in verse 8, it says, so... When Asa heard these words and the prophecy which Azariah uh, Azariah the son of Oded uh, the prophet spoke, he took courage and he removed the abominable idols from all the land of Uh, from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had captured. So what he's doing is, in this war, he's brought cities back in. They have idols in it still, and Azariah's come to encourage him, and he takes courage, which is a word that means to be strengthened. He's strengthened, and he goes, and he eliminates more of the idols Then and then he removed the altar of. I mean, removed. He uh, restored the altar of Yahweh, which was in front of the porch of Yahweh. So the first thing he does, he removes idols. Second thing he does is he restores the bronze altar. So somehow the altar had not been in service like it needed to be. So. He's doing two things, removing idolatrous worship, fixing the current worship at the altar of Yahweh. And the altar of Yahweh, of course, is crucial. What happens at that bronze altar every day and every evening? An ascension offering. And it's a picture of Israel ascending before the Lord and the Lord taking care of them, breathing them in and satisfied with them from morning to evening. He restores the altar of Yahweh. And then it says in verse 9, And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, who resided with them, for many defected to him from Israel when they saw that Yahweh, his God, was with him. If you're with me, God says, I'm with you. So they assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. Now, what's going to happen is something that takes place in third months. So if you think of Israel's calendar, if you think of Israel's festival calendar, the, two, the three large festivals, the first one is the Feast of Passover, Unleavened Bread. It's a week long. It's in the first month of the year. The second one is in the third month of the year. It is the Feast of Weeks. It coincides with Pentecost. It's a celebration of the giving of the law and the harvest. And then the next week comes in the seventh month, the next festival. And that is a feast that is for the Gentiles, for the nations. Now, if you look at the course of Second Chronicles, those feasts come in reverse order when Solomon dedicates the temple, it's in the seventh month at the Feast of uh, Tabernacles. Here is a picture that's going to take place in, at the Feast of Weeks. It's in the third month. But both Hezekiah and Josiah, uh, uh, excuse me, I got myself mixed up. Th- this is the third month feast, the Feast of Weeks. It takes place in the third month on the 15th year of his reign. And then as you move through the book, Hezekiah and Josiah are going to restore the Passover festival. So that's the picture that's taking place here. Uh, And and it says, And uh, they sacrificed to Yahweh that day 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep From the spoil they had brought. So he's removing idols, restoring worship, and now they're making a new covenant, as you see, restoring covenant, renewing covenant. That's what we do when we come. Sin is removed. come down to God's word at his altar, and then we come to the table, and our table is a table of renewal of covenant. So they've won this battle because Yahweh intervened and helped them, and now they are bringing of that spoil and sacrificing it to the Lord And the word that's used for sacrifice here is a word that means we're talking about peace offerings. So they're having a huge celebration where God and his people and the priests all sit down and eat together. And they entered into the covenant to seek Yahweh, God of their fathers, with all their heart and soul. When you see that phrase, what's it remind you of? It reminds you of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh's is our God. Yahweh's one. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's the covenant. Now the covenant is being renewed. And in this renewal, they offer all these sacrifices. And now they're going to renew covenant. And who would not, who would not, whoever would not seek Yahweh God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. Now, if you think back to the book of Deuteronomy, you realize this is, this is just what the book of Deuteronomy says. Okay, here's a nation. Our God is Israel. If you go after another God, the book of Deuteronomy says, you're going to be put to death. Well, this is God's kingdom. We can't do that in the United States. It might, it might be something we'd want to do, but we can't do it. It would seem like it would solve our problems. Moreover, they made an oath. I think I skipped. No. And Moreover, they made an oath to Yahweh with a loud voice, with shouting, with trumpets, and with horns and all judah rejoiced concerning concerning the oath uh, which they had uh, which they had who can't read it which they had sworn with uh, their whole heart and had sought him uh, earnestly and he let them find him so What they're doing is, there's this big sacrifice, big celebration, they're eating with God. And then they're entering into the covenant. In other words, they're coming back to the Mosaic covenant. And they are shouting and making noise in a fourfold manner, with voices, with loud shouting, with horns and with trumpets, and they're rejoicing And they're seeking Yahweh earnestly. Earnestly is just another word for this pleases them. They're happy to do this. So what I'm showing you is along comes Azariah. Yahweh is your help. And he gives a message. You seek and God will let you find him. You rely on him. He'll be with you. And Ace is encouraged. And so what he does after this battle is he removes idols, he restores worship, and he brings the nation and those who defected from Israel, he renews covenant. He renews covenant with God. And they are shouting and happy. Now, the word swear in Hebrew is a word that matches up with the word seven. They sound just alike. And you look at the 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep, and what stands out is the word seven. So this renewal of covenant does what? Well, it reminds you of creation week, and the seventh day is the day of rest. And when they renew covenant, Look at what it says down there in verse 15. God gave them rest on every side. Now, this is from people who seek after God. And I'm suggesting to you that this is where we need to be praying for the church I told Grace the other day, I said, "Grace, isn't it kind of interesting that when you read Paul, you don't seem praying for lost people?" Now, I didn't go re- reread everything to make sure that statement was true. But then I was sitting there oh, a few hours later, and I thought, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Of first importance, pray." 1 Timothy chapter 2. So the church is commanded to pray and they're praying for the lost. But isn't it interesting that when Paul prays, Paul prays for the church. When the church is doing well, God takes away disturbance, brings about peace. When the church is not doing well, god adds distress disturbances wars we don't fight like israel fought they fought with bows and arrows and swords later on with chariots and horses the church can't fight that way that's not this kingdom over which jesus now reigns he doesn't fight that way he said to pilate if my kingdom were of this world my disciples would fight. We fight with truth with God's word and when we distort God's word when we start messing around in the church the fight's gone away. Now I want you to notice something else and we're going to talk about this uh, more specifically with uh, Ace's son because it just sticks out there. The greatest threat to the enemy, to the seed whose head was crushed at Calvary, the greatest threat to the enemy, is what? It's the church at worship. That's the greatest threat to the enemy, the church at worship. When we get together, God calls us in, and He gives to us, and we respond with praise. This is what wins the battle. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we shouldn't send out missionaries. We should. I'm not saying we shouldn't be very evangelistic. We should. But this is the church gathered. This is when the war is really being fought. And if we're at church messing around, we're not fighting the war. So Asa was encouraged, and he removed idols. He restored worship. And he renewed covenant, and God gave them rest. And the interesting thing is that rest lasted for 20 years. No disturbances, no wars. 16 says something very similar. Look at what it says. And he also removed Mokah, the mother of King Asa, from the position of queen mother, because she had made a horde image as an Asherah, and Asa uh, cut down her horde image, crushed it, and burned it at the brook Kidron. What does that remind you of? Israel comes out of Egypt, they go up to the mountain, they're making covenant with God, and what does Aaron do? Oh, a golden calf. And when Moses comes down, that calf is ground to bits, and it's put in the water, and the people are made to drink it. But what Asa does is burns it, sticks it in the Kidron, and it washes away to cleanse the land. So again, he's removing idolatry. 17. 17. But the high places were not removed from Israel. And I just want to remind you, it just said back in the previous chapter, he removed the high places. So now we're talking about divided, Israel and Judah divided. In Israel, they still have high places where they're worshiping other gods. Those are not removed. But all Judah and Israel is Asa's responsibility because God made him king. So... It says then, nevertheless, Asa's heart was blameless all his days. Now, we're talking about almost blameless, almost all his days, not quite, but his heart was blameless, and the word blameless is shalom. His heart was at peace with God all his days. And he brought into the house of God the dedicated things The dedicated things of his father, and uh, the dedicated things, uh, the dedicated things, silver and of his, silver and gold and utensils, and there was no more war until the thirty-fifth year of Asa's reign. So, ten years no war. Between 10 and 15 years, there's a battle, he's encouraged after the battle, and he removes idols, he restores worship, and he renews covenant, the people all renew covenant, and they got 20 years in which there are no more wars. He's done, lived in such a way that God says his heart is blameless. Then comes a test. And the test is the test is Boshe, king of Israel, who's trying to prevent people going between the two countries. And so what does Asa do? He hires Ben Hadad. Ben Hadad, Ben as I said last week, Ben Hadad is Hadad is is, Haydad is, a, is a god. You know of him in the Bible as Baal, but his, his formal name is Hadad. And Ben is the word son. So Ben-Hadad versus Ben-Yahveh. Because Asa is the son of God. Now what does the son of God do? He goes to another god. And he takes dedicated silver, dedicated gold. The word dedicated means holy, because he gave it to Yahveh. And he takes Yahweh's stuff, and he goes away, and he bribes the the Aram king to break treaty with Israel and help him out. So that's exactly what he does. So now, instead of relying on Yahweh, he has gone off to his own devices. He's straight away, and then along comes, in verse 7 of chapter 16, uh, Hanani, Hananai, which means my favor, my grace. And Hananai scolds him because he didn't rely, he didn't lean on Yahweh. Instead he leaned on Ben Haydad. He would have one day have gained the whole Aramean army, but now it's escaped out of his hand. And for the rest of his time, there's going to be war because God is looking for people who have a heart completely for him, at peace with him. And when you start looking to other gods for help, your heart is not completely devoted to Yahweh. Now, I come back to the church I think this is the problem with the church. Instead of a simple gathering where we actually worship Yahweh, we've adopted the world's techniques, the world's styles, the world's games, the world's briberies. Mind you, our giving in Christian circles is just bribery. We've adopted the text. All across the boards, we've dropped into our culture, and we brought it into the church, just like Asa, who said, you know, I think I'll make an alliance over here, and this guy will help me out. <laughs> Even though God had already given him this marvelous victory, he says, no, I'll do it this way. So I'll tell you why I think we're using, losing our kids. They see through us. We need to come back to the simple worship meeting and trust in God. Well, most people don't like rebuke. And Asa got rebuked, and he got angry, and uh, it made him a mean guy, because anger does that. When you're angry, you get mean, nasty, right? Say things you shouldn't say. Some of you, when they get angry, they start hitting, start smashing. Asa started oppressing some of his people. So what'd God do? God gave him a foot disease. And I told you last week that means reproductive organ disease. It's a euphemism. And he knew it was from God. I mean, that's the flow of the story. He got angry and uh, so God said, here, have this. And then instead of repenting and leaning on the Lord, he sought out physicians. And as I said last week, there's nothing wrong with physicians. But Ace's case is, number one, a special case. But number two, even when we seek physicians, we know in the end it's got to be God behind it or it doesn't work. I'm just super concerned about the church at large and us. I want us to redouble, or as I say, double down, and uh, say, okay, this church, which is a good church, and has lots of good people in it, people who know Christ, have trusted in Christ, We've got to stop the blood. So when all the kids that are in this room grow up, we don't want to see any of them fall away, quit church. And so what do we got to do? Seek Yahweh, and he will let you find him. And each time we come to this table, Renew Covenant, our kids are with us. Explain it to them. Show them. Teach them God's word. You get yourself a wife. You get yourself kids. You're responsible. You don't have a choice. Well, you do have a choice. You have a choice. You can do what God says, and he will support and support you, or you can fail like Asa did in the end, and he'll disease you. The church in America is at the crossroads. No, I'm not God. God knows what he's doing, and he's honing. He's going to hone the church, but right now the church is still on the slide so that whatever the world says right now, we're dragging it into the church just like Asa, oh, I can't go to God, I, 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 I can't trust God, I, I got to trust Ben-Hadad, he's got a lot of power, a lot of army, he can do what I need him to do. And it's time just to get back to reading God's word with our families, with our families, with our families, gentlemen. And you know what he'll do? Let me just read it to you again. For the eyes of Yahweh move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support. Supporting, he will support those who have a heart that is completely his. Let's stand. Father, we're grateful that you've demonstrated your love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, the King died for us. And we thank you that you've taken away our enmity towards you and you've given us hearts that love you. And we want to be the kind of people that are completely Yours, our hearts are yours. We do confess that there's a lot of power out there in this country, and we are rather weak. And you're the only one who can help us. We cannot pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We need you to step in and make us strong. Strong grandparents, strong parents, strong families, strong children. As it says in Deuteronomy 6, O Israel, listen that you might keep this, both you and your son and your grandsons. Lord, make this assembly a generational assembly where 200 years from now, it still stands here and there are there are our great, great, great grandchildren standing in it. Lord, support us. Support us for Christ's sake, we pray. Amen.